You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. Hello, hello, Miami Dolphin fans, and welcome to the same old Dolphin Show, part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I'm Josh Katzker. With me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. We got it done. It wasn't pretty, Brain, but your Miami Dolphins go into the Meadowlands and defeat the stinking, horrible, awful, absolutely disgusting New York Jets by a score of 20-3. to Improved to 7-4 and on the season, and thanks to some results elsewhere, find themselves currently sitting in a playoff spot again. Uh, and, you know, Brain, this was just one of those games where... The Dolphins just sort of did what they needed to do to win the game. And it wasn't necessarily the most attractive victory you've ever seen, but it was it was sort of workmanlike. It was sort of a workmanlike victory. You know, they went in, they they did it, they got it done, and they got the victory, and they got back on the plane and came home. And at the end of the day, that's all we needed them to do. So the Dolphins improved to seven and four. And, uh, you know, now they gear up for another game against in uh, what was hopefully an inferior opponent in the Cincinnati Bengals. So what were your big takeaways from this game there, Bryn? Well, uh, yeah, like you said, you know, they did what they needed to do. They didn't play their best game, uh, but the defense pl- came up strong. The special teams, Jason Stan- Jason Sanders makes a couple of big kicks. Uh, the one thing that we did do in this game that hasn't been part of the formula was we didn't protect the ball, and we'll get into that. Uh, but by and large, this was pretty much a you know, you know, it, it, this was the formula. The, it, when the Dolphins are going to win games this year, uh, by and large, it's going to be. Because the defense plays an exceptional game, the special teams does what they need to do, and then the offense is efficient enough. It takes it takes advantage of the opportunities. The offense was not good in this game, but they got in the red zone twice, and they came away with two touchdowns, and that's that's huge, uh, and that's making the most of the opportunities uh, that they had, uh, but. But by and large, I, I agree with you. I think the biggest takeaway here is that, look, we, we went up against an inferior opponent. We didn't have our best game, but we were on the road. We, you know, got ourselves into a couple of precarious uh, positions. But in the end, 
we we did enough to to come away with the victory and we did enough to you know even when we put ourselves in those positions to really respond and i think most of that is really just a testament to this defense i thought it was a big bounce back performance for this dolphins defense uh which is uh, you know save for the special teams it's the strength of this this football team yeah and uh you know it's you got to ride the things that you do well and in this league it's been proven that as long as you can do certain things well as long as you can do them frequently and and do them really well and then the other aspects of your game aren't horrible you're going to be able to get by and that's what the dolphins are doing right now they're they're continuing to ride that defense and special teams and the offense is not horrible it's certainly not great and we'll get into a little bit, uh, you know, we, we've and we've talked about it in the past on this show before with the Dolphins, just general lack of, uh, you know, star skill position players. But the, the fact of the matter is the Dolphins defense and special teams are are providing enough for the Dolphins to have arrived at where they are right now with that seven and four record. So we, as we always do here on the same old Dolphin show, are going to get into the good, the bad, and the ugly from this game. But before we do that, a reminder, as always, to make sure that you are following us on social media. I am at Amplified to Rock on Twitter. He is at Aaron the Brain. That's at Aaron the Brain on Twitter. The show is at Same Old Dolphins. And you can go to Facebook.com slash Same Old Dolphins to like the Same Old Dolphins Facebook page, which is a thing that exists. Additionally, every episode of the Same Old Dolphin Show is available at DolphinsTalk.com. DolphinsTalk.com is your not one-stop shop for all things Miami Dolphins. So make sure you're visiting DolphinsTalk.com each and every day for all the latest Miami Dolphins news and information. And then go to YouTube.com and search for the Dolphins Talk YouTube channel where you can subscribe to the Dolphins Talk YouTube channel and and make sure that you can actually see every episode of the same old Dolphin show, just like those of you are doing right now. Hello, YouTube. Always good to see you here on the YouTube. And last but certainly not least, we invite you to go to Apple Podcasts to download, rate, review, and subscribe to the same old Dolphin show. Uh, We appreciate everybody taking a few minutes out of their time to leave us uh, some kind words and to give us a five-star rating. It helps other people find the show. The show is also available anywhere that podcasts are found, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, uh, anywhere at all, really. If there's a platform somewhere where you would like us to provide the show where we are not currently located, shoot us a DM or send us a message or comment on Facebook and we will make sure that we can uh, see what we can do to get that rectified for you so that we can be available everywhere. All right. Let's talk good, bad, and the ugly from the Dolphins' 20-3 victory over the Jets. Well, the first thing, the first good, and we didn't even talk about this in our our pre-production meeting, but I mean, the first thing that is good your Miami Dolphins have defeated the Jets twice this year by a combined score of 44 to 3. That's good. Beating the Jets in general is good. I'm always happy to beat the Jets. And I, you know, as you would 
you would hope that all Dolphins fans are happy to beat the Jets, and in particular, the Jets when they're coached by Adam Gase, as this particular Jets team is. So anyway, the Dolphins get the uh, the win here, and there were certainly some good things about it. Brain, where would you like to start? The first good for you. Well, I think you got to look at the, the 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 defense in general, um, and I would go particularly to the secondary. Uh, it's another banner day for the secondary. Look, the Jets got some plays; they made some plays, but uh, the in in throws to the the Jets three top receivers and this was the first game all season that the Jets had Sam Darnold at quarterback uh and their top three wide receivers uh Brashad Perriman, Jamison Crowder, and Denzel Mims. And in twenty two targets to those three receivers, Sam Darnold was eleven for twenty two uh for something like eighty something yards. Uh, a QB rating of right around 30. Uh, so it was just, and and you get the two interceptions, and it, it could have been more than that because Xavier Howard got his hands on more than a couple of passes. Uh, but he comes away with his league-leading seventh interception. Nick Needham gets an interception on a really terrible, th- terribly thrown ball by Sam Darnold on a third down when the Jets were in field goal range on what would have had, you know, when the Jets had an opportunity to make it a one-score game, uh, just a really terrible uh, pass. But look, the, when you get opportunities like that, you got to make the most of them. We saw a couple of weeks ago, and we talked about the difference between the Dolphins and the Chargers in that game where the Dolphins won, was that when the Chargers made mistakes, the Dolphins were all over it and were able to capitalize on those mistakes. And when the Chargers, or when the Dolphins made mistakes, the Chargers didn't. And this was another example of it. Good teams take advantage when other teams give them the opportunity uh, by by making mistakes. And so when, when Sam Darnold threw that terrible pass, Nick Needham did not drop it. He made the play. Uh, and Nick Needham overall, I thought, had a good game. I thought considering that you know that X is going to lock down one side and Byron Jones is going to lock down the other. It really Nick Needham is one of the most important players on this entire Dolphins defense because you know that if the opposing team uh, has any kind of speed that they're going to put in the slot, they're going to attack Nick Needham because they're not going to want to throw at the league's leading interception uh, King right now in Xavier Howard and Byron Jones hardly gets targeted, you know, each week because he's such a great lockdown corner. So Nick Needham is constantly getting tested. And this week against Jamison Crowder, you know, a very good slot receiver, uh, he allows three catches for, for what, 20, 30 yards. I mean, it was a really good game by Nick Needham. Plus he gets the interception. Yeah. Jamison Crowder, three catches for 31 yards. You know, Nick, Nick, Nick Needham locked him down. Of course, Bobby McCain in the, you know, the deep third of the field consistently, you know, locking that down and not giving up any big plays. Uh, and Eric Rowe, Locking down tight ends, being all over the field, and and Brandon Jones doing a hell of a job. I, you can't say enough about this Dolphins secondary. It, it's probably, I mean, 
you could probably make a case for the Pittsburgh Steelers and maybe one or two other teams out there. But the Dolphins secondary, I would put up against any other secondary in the, in the entire National Football League. In my eyes, it, it, it might be the best secondary in the National Football League. And this was another banner day for them. They are continuing to perform just at the absolute peak of the NFL week in, week out. It's really impressive to watch this secondary really come into its own and really play the kind of football that you were kind of ahead of the curve on this one, Brian. You were saying that this secondary was going to be, um, you know, po- perhaps an elite secondary in the NFL. And they, are, they certainly seem to be living up to that at this point. Um, yeah, I mean, so, if you're yeah, going to spend $30 million on your top two corners and then you're going to draft a corner in the first round, and granted, we really haven't even seen Noah Igbenogany very much. He's basically only coming in uh, if the Dolphins have an injury in that secondary or they go to like a quarters defense where they've got seven DBs. Uh he he's basically not getting into the game, and in a lot of in a lot of t- uh, cases, uh, Jamal Perry is getting out there uh, before Noah Igbenogany is getting out there. But all that said, the you know you you kind of knew what you had in in Eric Rowe. Uh, you knew what you had in the the other two corners in X and in Byron Jones. The question was uh, the number three corner, whether it was Igbenogany or Needham. Uh, and Igbenogany struggled early in the season, uh, and Needham, since really being inserted into that role, has been very, very solid. Uh, the the other question mark was really, you know, Bobby McCain as your deep safety in year two of this position change. You know, was he going to be able to to really be that impact player back there? And he has surpassed all expectations and really played at a, at a Pro Bowl level back there and been really the captain of this Dolphins defense and, you know, you know, I would say probably even more important than Nick Needham. Nick Needham probably more important in that role uh, of the third corner just because of how much he gets tested. But as far as really like get making sure that everybody is where they need to be leading in communication and then defending the deep third of the field, Bobby McCain has done a tremendous job for this team all season long. Yeah. I mean, it's really been contributions from everybody. Um, Igbenogany, obviously a little bit behind the curve, just based on, he got thrown into the fire maybe a little bit before he was quite ready, but that's okay. I mean, otherwise secondary just continuing to be lights out, but they weren't the only part of, they weren't the only good in this game. Um, Listen, Tua missed the game. Tua was downgraded to doubtful the day before the game because of that thumb injury that he picked up in, in practice this week. So Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, got the start after Tua was declared out just before the game. And let me tell you, Ryan Fitzpatrick, a pretty good game for him, was 24 out of 39, 257 yards, a couple of touchdowns. He wasn't great. It wasn't, it you know, wasn't anything flashy, but it really, his performance sort of, I think, highlighted the general lack of, uh, skill position depth that this team has, but the one skill position player who absolutely showed up in this game was Devontae Parker. Eight receptions on 14 targets, 119 yards. Uh, 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 just a monster day from Devontae Parker. Obviously, 
everybody would love to be able to would love to see Devontae Parker be able to get a bit more separation. Heck, we'd like any of the Dolphins receivers and tight ends to be able to get a bit more separation from some of these defenders. But when they can't, it's great to have a guy like Devontae Parker who can go up there and make a play on a 50-50 ball and and I don't want to say bail out his quarterback because his quarterback is putting it where he needs to put it. And, you know, Devontae's just going up and getting it. And that's a, that's a great feature to have from your wide receiver. And we're really starting to see Devontae come into his own now as a kind of a player who can be that big physical wide receiver and go up and make those catches. Um, just a, a great day for Devontae Parker in this one, Brian. Yeah, absolutely. And Parker, he just does what he does. Uh, like you said, you'd like for him to get, you know, more separation. But the great thing about Devontae Parker is that he doesn't need to be covered uh, or he, he doesn't need to be open uh, for for him to get the catch, for him to make the play. Uh, and if they're going to cover and you you heard uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick in his post game interview said, look, uh, he Devonte Parker is special when it comes to these 50-50 balls and if teams are going to cover him in man coverage then more often than not Fitz is going to to throw the ball up there and give Devonte Parker a chance to make a play and more often than not Devonte Parker is not going to let him down and it wasn't just the 50-50 balls in this one it was uh getting inside releases on those skinny posts or on the slants making the catches and getting some run after the catch and you know getting to see a little bit of the the athlete that Devonte Parker is because we're so used to you know seeing you know these back shoulder throws where Devonte Parker is basically like catching the ball and then he's down but when you actually get the ball to Devonte Parker uh in space and you see him run the guy is pretty darn good moving or, or running with the ball after the catch uh so that there's an area there that I think uh, we could see him excel a little bit more at in this second half of the season uh of course tougher to do that when he's literally your only guy that the, that the opposing defense is is preparing for but Look, he was the only guy that the Jets probably prepared for, and he still went off for 119 yards. Uh, so this was a really good game. And and look, it, I I said it when Preston Williams went down. Look, last season, Devontae Parker w- was having a nice, solid season, but nothing spectacular. But when Preston Williams went down, Devontae Parker got, you know, a greater percentage of the target share, and his numbers just went up, and he, you saw him able to produce at an elite level. And I think it's there for Devontae Parker to kind of do the same thing this season. He's just, he is that kind of player. It's just a matter of whether or not he gets the opportunities. Yeah, he can, he's continuing to shine and it's great to have it. it, One perk is that, listen, he's getting the ball and uh, you know, whether it's Fitzpatrick or Tua, who is, who is getting it to him, they're getting it to him and he's, making the plays. So that's a very good thing for the Miami Dolphins. And it's still not the end of the good from this game, because you know what, Brain? You know what the Miami Dolphins have on their side? We have the right leg of God, Jason Sanders. This man is a legitimate weapon 
for the Miami Dolphins. He is kicking 50-yard bombs, and they're not, it's not like they're just barely crossing, you know, the crossbar or they're just sneaking in one of the uprights. This dude hit two field goals in this game, a 54-yarder and a 51-yarder. I'm talking about Jason Sanders, of course. And these two field goals were right down the middle of the goalposts. I mean, this guy is just, I mean, what a development that is really turning into. Jason Sanders, when you've got a guy that you can have absolute confidence in that is going to be able to kick a field goal for you as soon as you cross your opponent's essentially 40-yard line, like, that's an amazing tool to have at your disposal. And the Dolphins are are using him because, you know, I, I mean, the Dolphins have actually been pretty good in the red zone, particularly when, when two is at quarterback. But when they can't get, when they can't put the ball in the end zone, hey, it's always good to have somebody who you can rely on to kick those field goals. Yeah, and like, I don't want to take anything away from Jason Sanders because what Jason Sanders is doing is, phenomenal and it's he's having one of the greatest seasons arguably the greatest season of any Dolphins kicker and and honestly if if he keeps going at this rate this might be one of the greatest seasons of all time for an NFL kicker um but it, it makes you wonder because he had you know was not so consistent last year after a really good uh rookie year the Dolphins spent uh a sixth round draft pick on Blake Ferguson a long snapper and it's it's really an unsung hero uh position you're you nobody knows who your long snapper is until they screw it up but a big part of being consistent in the kicking game is that snap and that hold just being right there on point every time and having the confidence that it's going to be there every time and you know, you got to give some credit to to Blake Ferguson and and the fact that and and maybe it's not just Blake Ferguson, but just in general, a team mentality that Brian Flores, who got his start as a special teams coach, and he'll tell you he gets he got his start in the kicking game uh, that this team prides itself on its special teams they don't take it lightly. They have a lot of attention to detail on all in all three phases of the game, special teams included. And that is showing up right now because the Dolphins continue to have the best special teams in the National Football League. And that is led by the right leg of God, Jason Sanders. Absolutely. So Jason Sanders continues kicking balls. And now we're going to talk about taking care of balls because, well, you know, Christmas is coming up, Hanukkah is coming up, and, you know, you may be looking for a gift for that special fella in your life. And a really great gift would be literally anything from Manscaped, whether it's the Lawnmower 3.0, whether it's the Weed Whacker, whether it's uh, something to clip your nails, whether it's uh, cologne, whether it's the ball toner or the ball deodorant. The folks at Manscaped have you covered. And for a limited time, you can go to manscaped.com and use the promo code DOLPHINSTALK at checkout and save 25% off of your order. That's that's an even deeper discount than what you normally get. So folks, 
head on over manscape.com use the promo code dolphins talk and make sure that you are treating yourself to the top of the line below the belt men's grooming equipment out there it's manscaped.com the promo code dolphins talk and you're going to get 25 percent off of your first order as well as free shipping and once those products get to you well you can take care of yourself down there and your balls Well, thank you. So, Brain, if you don't take care of your balls, pretty bad. And there were some aspects of this game for the Dolphins that were also pretty bad. And which one did you want to start with? Well, the Dolphins didn't take care of their balls. Uh, No, they didn't take care of their balls, did they? Yeah, Did but they? Matt I, I Breida think that and Patrick was, Laird. I, I think that was worse than bad. I think that was ugly. So we'll get into that because there's nothing uglier than not taking care of your balls. Great. Uh, so we'll start. We'll go. We'll go right to the ugly because you know. So, listen, we got ugly balls today. The Dolphins <laughs> had some ugly balls, and Patrick Laird and Matt Breida put those ugly balls right on the ground. Right. And look, kudos to the defense for not letting those two fumbles really change the course of this football game because they could have. But for back-to-back possessions to end with the Dolphins fumbling uh, to you know give the Jets a short field, this is how you lose football games. And this is where, yes, the defense came up big and, and you know kind of saved the day in those couple of instances. But but will that would that have been the case if the Dolphins were going up, you know, against Kansas City or against Las Vegas or even against the Patriots or, or the Bills as we're going to coming down the stretch? We the Dolphins got one more game here against a bottom feeder of the league in the in the Cincinnati Bengals, and after that, it's essentially a play. It's essentially playoff time. Whether or not the Dolphins make the playoffs, they've essentially got a four-week round-robin playoff uh, schedule coming down the stretch because every single one of those games is going to have a playoff atmosphere against a playoff caliber team, uh, and and they're going to need to play smart, efficient, good football. And when you're fumbling around midfield or on your side of the 50, that's not good football, and that's not going to win in those games coming down the stretch in December. Uh, so, look, it's going to help to get Miles Gaskin back. It's going to help to get Savan Ahmed back. But re- regardless, they can you can't win fo- you can't win games consistently in this league if you don't take care of the ball and. If your if your running backs can't hold on to the ball, uh, then then you've got an even bigger problem because now you're you, you're scared to run the ball, uh, and and that's kind of what happened in this game. And I, I like the fact that after Matt Breida fumbled, Matt Breida didn't get back in this game, and after Patrick Laird fumbled, Patrick Laird didn't get back into this game. Brian Flores said, "Nope, you guys are sitting on the bench." Uh, DeAndre Washington came in. I thought Washington played pretty well. In this game, I was pretty pleased with the way that he played, and I think he kind of earned himself 
based on the fact that he didn't drop the ball and he and he looked serviceable back there, I think he he might be your number three running back going forward when when Gaskin and Ahmed come back. Yeah, we we were without Ahmed and uh, Miles Sanders or uh, Miles Sanders. Uh, we were out Miles Gaskin and Savan Ahmed again in this game. So Brita got his opportunity and he, he didn't do a whole lot with it. And Patrick Laird, granted, he didn't get that many snaps. Uh, he didn't, didn't take it. I mean, he had a nice run, nice little run there, but he couldn't hold on to the ball. And that was problematic. And then I think DeAndre Washington of the three backs that we had was the best. And, uh, you know, when, 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 I t- when you think about the running backs, and I particularly talking about Brita and, and Laird, they really indicate how much the Dolphins miss Miles Gaskin. And one of the places where the Dolphins miss Miles Gaskin in particular is in the pass protection area because he has been, he's been, uh, and Brian Flores talked about this actually in, in the post game. He's been very helpful to them in pass protection. And of the backs in this game, DeAndre Washington was the one who did the best when it came to that. And so when when the Dolphins get Gaskin back, they'll be able to hopefully have a bit bit better protection for the quarterback when when they're throwing the ball. But of course, the offensive line hasn't just struggled with that. The, the offensive line has struggled with run blocking as well. And, and you wanted to talk a little bit about this offensive line brain because you think that this was the bad in this game. Yeah, I, I think this is. This is a becoming a trend, and and yes, Solomon Kinley was out uh, in this game, and since Solomon Kinley has been injured, uh, you you've seen a drop in the in the play from this offensive line. But I also think, you know, part of it is that you know when when Tua was back there, you knew that Tua wasn't necessarily seeing the field quite as quickly processing things quite as quickly as Ryan Fitzpatrick. And so that exposed the offensive line a little bit more. Uh, But Ryan Fitzpatrick was out there today and Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, was under pressure, was under duress quite a bit in this game Uh, to the, to the point where even though he was only sacked four times, he really could have been sacked easily six or seven times. And, 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 and if that happens, you're looking at it the same way that you looked at it last week when you say, damn, that offensive line got completely shredded. And, and, you know, last week, everybody was blaming it on Tua and, and sure Tua, you know, had his blame for a couple of those where he held on to the ball a little too long. And, and you can see where Fitzpatrick, uh, does a better job is a little bit more decisive. He sees the ball. He sees the field quicker. He's seen everything, so he knows where to go uh, a little bit quicker than Tua, and that's kind of the difference between the two quarterbacks right now. Uh, but if it wasn't for having a quarterback like that, like Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's seen everything a million times, uh, you know, th- this might have been a game where the Dolphins only put ten points on the board. Because the offensive line is not protecting. And the combination of the offensive line not protecting and the wide receivers not getting open is a really bad combination for a passing game. And then when your running backs are fumbling the ball and then you add that into the equation, it's a really bad combination for the offense in general. But I think, look, the receivers are the receivers right now. 
and the quarterback is the quarterback and the running backs are the running backs, but you've invested a lot in this offensive line, uh, free agents in Eric Flowers and Ted Karras, three, three draft picks in Jackson, Hunt, and Kindley. Uh, you, you gave Jesse Davis an extension last year. Uh, the offensive line has to do better. It was a strength of the team early on in the season, or at least a perceived strength of the team, a surprise strength of the team early in the season. But the last month or so in the season, even though the Dolphins have won games, the offenses look shaky. And when the offenses look shaky, you can pretty much go directly to the offensive line and, and see the correlation there. Uh, and and that's going to be a concern, again, coming down the stretch, because as you come down the stretch, things are going to get tighter, the competition is going to get tougher, and the offensive line, and, and the weather's going to get colder. And as the weather gets colder, you really need to rely on winning games in the trenches. And the last few weeks, the Dolphins' offensive line has not won the battle in the trenches, save for maybe the Chargers game. I thought they played really well in the Chargers game. Yeah, it's it's been um, largely a struggle on the offensive line, and it and correlates a little bit in these past few games with Solomon Kindley getting hurt, and so his hopefully a uh, return to having a healthy Solomon Kindley will hopefully boost things a little bit on the offensive line. And look, I, it's not something that we should necessarily be terribly surprised about because there's a lot of young guys there on that offensive line who are still trying to, you know, get the hang of things. And, you know, it's also getting towards the end of the year. So there's a little bit of fatigue going on. And I'm not trying to make excuses because obviously this offensive line needs to be playing better. But, you know, I, I'm, what I'm saying is that it shouldn't be a surprise that while the offensive line has definitely taken a step forward this year. It is still not yet at that point where it is a great, great offensive line. You know, so there's going to be some, a little bit of room for improvement, but I think it, that's going to be one of those areas where I think where you're going to see this team continue to be exposed over the final uh, five games of this season as they deal with this uh, really tough uh you know, situation with the offensive line. It's just going to be what it is. Um, but the good news is, again, the Dolphins went into the Meadowlands and beat the Jets. The Dolphins are 7-4. and four. The Dolphins remain only one game back of the Buffalo Bills, who are going to have, a, a you know, a couple of difficult games themselves. The Dolphins find themselves now currently in a playoff position thanks to the Oakland Ra- or the uh, Las Vegas Raiders now really just I they absolutely just I didn't show up to Atlanta and were destroyed by the Falcons on the road and so that drops them down to six and five um, so that's a good thing and so the Dolphins you know and now that big matchup with Oakland or rather Vegas in week. Uh, 16 is looking pretty big. In fact, it is looking so big that the National Football League has decided that that game is going to be on December 26th, the Saturday night, right after Christmas at 8.15 p.m., a primetime nationally televised Miami Dolphins game the day after Christmas on a Saturday. Are you kidding me? It's going to be 
that's going to be pretty exciting. And, you know, listen, the Dolphins have this game upcoming against Cincinnati. If they can win that game, that'll bring them at eight and four coming into what we always knew were going to, was going to be like the crunch time for this season was those last four games where it's Kansas City, New England, the Raiders, and Buffalo in week 17. And if the Dolphins can go in at eight and four, you're really looking at if you can beat New England and you can beat the Raiders. You're going to the playoffs. You know, yeah, regardless of, of of where the the wins come, you got to win two of those games. You got to win two of those. Ten wins is probably four. getting you in. Nine wins probably isn't. That's that's yeah. really where what it comes down to. That's really what the line of demarcation is in all likelihood going to be. So you get the look. Don't don't blow this game. Uh, against against Cincinnati, no. Uh, it sucks that they lost that game against Denver because it it kind of it hurt their their margin for error in their playoff odds because you'd much rather be nine and nine and three coming in and then you feel really good that you'll get at least one win out of the last four. Uh, but you almost look. You never want to lose, and and I you know I hate that that we lost that game, and if we end up nine and seven at the end of the season and we're a game out of of the playoffs, we're going to look back at that Denver game and we're going to say that was the one. That was the one that yep. cost us. But you kind of like if you if you come in eight and four to the the last four games, you kind of like the fact that there's no backing into the playoffs, right? There, 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 that you if you're going to get in, you're going to need to get at least a couple of big wins coming down the stretch to really earn your way in and. uh you know, we'll see what happens. First, you got to take care of business against Cincinnati. Right. If you take care of business against Cincinnati, then uh, it, it shapes up to be a pretty exciting stretch run. And uh, I think, look, e- even the most ardent Dolphins supporters and Dolphins fans out there would have said the best that you could hope for this season was that Coming into December, coming into the stretch run, the Dolphins were going to be battling for a playoff spot. Whether they get into the playoffs or not, you wanted to be in this position where coming into December, the Dolphins were battling for a playoff spot. And that's where we're at, and we'll be even further entrenched in that if the Dolphins take care of business against Cincinnati. That's it. That's all you got to do. Let's get this. So that's the next game. Is it coming up against the Cincinnati Bengals and a backup quarterback coming to town to take on the Dolphins? And if you can get a win in that one, you are in really good shape coming down the stretch for these final four games. You're playing with house money against Kansas City because nobody expects you to win that game anyway. Um, and then you've got you've got the Patriots who have I don't know. They're kind of hanging around. They're kind of hanging around. That may end up being actually a pretty big game in and of itself if the Patriots continue on their current trajectory. Then you got the Raiders, and then you've got that game with Buffalo where, hey, if things go right and you come into that game with the same record as the Bills, you might be playing in the AFC East Championship game week 17. That might be pretty exciting as well. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. We've got to see how things pan out. And like I said, we got to first take care of business against the Cincinnati Bengals, which is what we will be back to preview later this week here on the same old dolphin show. So brain, why don't you tell the people once again, where they can find you on the social media channels. 
Again, you could find me on Twitter at Aaron the Brain. That's at Aaron the Brain on Twitter. That's right. And I am at Amplified to Rock. That's A M P L I F I E D T O R O C K. That's on Twitter, all one word, at Amplified to Rock. You can follow me there. The show is at Sam Old Dolphins. We're also at Facebook.com slash Sam Old Dolphins. And every episode of the Same Old Dolphin Show is available at dolphinstalk.com, your one-stop shop for all things Miami Dolphins. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel at youtube.com. Do a search for Dolphins Talk, all one word. You'll find us there and you can watch every episode of the same old Dolphin show. That's it. That is it for this show about the New York Jets. Thank goodness we will never have to do another show previewing a game against the Adam Gase-led Jets and in all likelihood, the Adam Gase-led anybody's from here on out because this guy has ruined his career when it comes to being a head coach. And you know what? I kind of don't feel bad about it. So, sorry. Sorry, buddy. Good luck to you. You know, don't wish anything bad upon you, but, uh, you know, listen, you did this to yourself, pal. You did it to yourself. All right, everybody, take care of yourselves and each other. We will talk to you again next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Go Dolphins! Miami's got the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from gold.